the name of the Father, and the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen. Well, I pray this morning that you will pardon the voice. Um, towards the end of the week on Thursday, I, got, I succumbed to a sinus infection rather quickly. Thank God, got uh, some medicine in me from the doctors very quickly. Uh, it all kind of settled in my voice, unfortunately. Uh, one of those medications, uh, the steroids they gave me, caused me to not sleep one minute last night. And so that was enjoyable. And uh, so you got you got a priest with a garbled voice who's not slept one minute. Let's have us a homily, you know. <laughs> and the Father and the Son of the Holy Spirit. Last Sunday, on Trinity Sunday. It began for us the longest liturgical season that we have in the year, and that's the season of Trinity Tide, which runs all the way to Advent. And the very theme of Trinity Tide is this, the theme of our remembrance, if you will, is that now that the finished work of our Lord Jesus Christ incarnate, now that He has that finished work completed, that He has ascended, and the Holy Spirit has been sent and now dwells within us, this season answers the question, how then shall we live? How then shall we live? By the continual revelation of God throughout the season of Trinity Tide, how is it that we might continuously ascend by the experience of Him? Ascend to enjoy the fullness of life in the kingdom of God on earth, just as it is in heaven. And should it surprise us that on the first Sunday in this new season, after Trinity Sunday, our Lord gave wisdom to His church that the virtue of all virtues, the foundation of all Christ's likeness, and the very manner in which God's people are to live towards God and towards one another is placed right before us, right at the beginning of the season. So how shall we live as those who are now partakers of the divine nature of Christ and from Christ? We live in Christ to become the love that Christ is. We live in Christ to become the love that Christ is. And you hear this if you're paying any attention to the scripture readings this morning from the epistle of 1 John, the beloved apostle of Christ. And when even our Lord Jesus Christ says in the Gospel of St. Luke in chapter 16, it is pointing us to the reality that all of Christ's ministry was to bring the nature of God to us and us within it so that we could become it. Let's start with the parable of the rich man and Lazarus from our gospel reading from St. Luke in chapter 16. In this parable, Jesus describes a rich man who lives and he lives his entire life where the entire focus of his life every day, day in and day out is entirely on himself. It's on all that he has and he is set to live in this world to accumulate and to enjoy all that he has accumulated. He lives his life with absolute blinders on to anyone else or anything going on around him. This is how Jesus describes this man. But then he puts another man in the picture, Lazarus. Lazarus is a poor beggar, a man full of sores. This man is in constant torment and in great need of healing and in great need of assistance and Jesus even throws this line in, which seems out of place, but it's not, where Jesus says, even the dogs came and licked the sores of this man. Why did Jesus say that? Why did he put that in there? 
Because as St. Cyril would remind us, when a dog licks sores, it's a way of healing. It's to go and mend, to go and attend to a sore on, on themselves or on someone else. What our Lord is trying to get across to us is this. The truth He's conveying, Christ is showing us that by this man not doing anything to provide mercy and help to the one suffering, the rich man made himself less than even the animals that God had created because even they were showing mercy to Lazarus. And so Lazarus sat suffering all of his days, every day and night, right outside the gate of the rich man's house. And every day the rich man, Jesus says, would pass by Lazarus, not even noticing him, and go on his way as if he didn't exist. Now they both died, Jesus says. And Christ, the perfect judge of every soul, who will judge every soul, he tells us the results after their death, and we should take heed to his words. He says, Lazarus in his death would receive the comfort eternally and mercy eternally that he never received in this life. That all of his suffering was taken away from him. But the rich man, the rich man who enjoyed himself and all that he had all the days of his life, would enter into the eternal torment of the absence and distance of God. For there was no love found in him. I want you to hear the words of St. Jerome to help us see clearly what our Lord's trying to communicate to us through this parable. St. Jerome says this, The rich man in purple splendor is not a curse of being greedy or of carrying off the property of another or of committing adultery or any evil such as that. The evil alone of which he is guilty is pride. Most wretched of men, you see a member of your own body lying there outside at your gate. And have you no compassion? Every day, the rich man went about his business, living with absolute blinders on to the need of someone right under his very nose, right under the gate of his own home. And he could not see him with the eyes of compassion and mercy and love because he was blinded by the absolute focus on himself. This is what blinded him. That blindness is what prevented him from both experiencing and becoming love. That's what kept him from experiencing the joy of the mercy and compassion of God coming to him and then flowing through him to one who is suffering. And ultimately, isn't that the very nature of pride? The voice of pride in our ears all the time is, watch out for yourself. Keep your eyes focused on your day. Get about your routines and be about them. Don't look up. Go about the patterns that you've established. What is the voice of pride telling us? You are the center of the universe. This is what the voice is constantly wanting to build us up to believe about ourselves. And my friends, there are far too many days of our life, my life, there are far too many days we succumb to the very pattern of the ritual where we go about our regular activities or duties or our shopping or our grocery shopping or you name it, what we do in life, and we don't see our fellow created man around us with the eyes that through which, through the eyes, I should say, that God sees them. You know, there are times in my days, and when I consider this, there are times I want to cry out like Paul cried out, who will save me? 
who will save this wretched body? But then he answers it right after he cries out, thanks be to God through Jesus Christ our Lord. The antidote to pride and the beginning and finishing of love being built within us is the person of Jesus Christ. Now we know that intellectually. But let's hear something about love from the beloved apostle in 1 John. Because it says something for how we become love. And certainly not on our own. The apostle wrote, dear friends, let us love one another for love comes from God. Everyone who loves has been born of God and knows God. This is how God showed His love among us. He sent His one and only Son into the world that we might live through Him. And so we know and rely on the love that God has for us. God is love. Whoever lives in love lives in God and God in them. This is how love is made complete among us so that we will have confidence on the day of judgment. In this world, we are like Jesus. I love that phrase, that we can have confidence on the day of judgment. Why? Because Christ recognizes himself in us. For we have let him love us. We have let him heal us and restore us. And in this world, we have become like him. That is how the apostle says we can have confidence before the judgment seat. And then the most critical short verse at the end of all this that sums up the entire truth that John is trying to get across. He says, we love because he first loved us. One of the most simple verses we've heard thousands of times. We love because he first loved us. There are three phrases in everything that I just read to you. It stuck out to me and show us how we are transformed to become the love of Christ. Here are the three phrases. First, love comes from God. Secondly, we know and rely on the love God has for us. And thirdly, we love because he first loved us. The only way the human person is healed, redeemed, and transformed and becomes love freed from the blindness of pride. The only way that this is possible is to experience firsthand for ourselves in this life in a living relationship experience with Christ, the very love of God shed abroad directly to our soul. We know that idea in theory. But do we truly allow for the stream of the abundant love of God to be made manifest and known to us in our lives where we experience that love. Because I tell you this, everyone I see both in Holy Scripture and the testimonies of the faithful in Christ all through the years, the, on, the only ones, or I should say it this way, the ones who profoundly experienced the love of God, their lives were transformed forever and would continue to be transformed. Even St. Paul praying for the church says, I pray that you come to know, not know about. I pray that you come to know the height, the width, the depth, and so on and so forth of the incredible love of God for us. But I tell you this right now, at least it's true in my life. There are things that keep us from the experience 
of the love of God in our lives. It's going to be different for each one of us, but we need to let the Holy Spirit shine a light on what those things are to help move them out of the way so that we can receive that flood of His love. I'll throw out just a few ideas to prime the pump. Our love for other things above God can block us from receiving and experiencing the divine love of God flowing towards us. Perhaps time does it. And what do I mean by that? You see, relationships never blossom. In fact, relationships fail without time invested into them. Are we living daily, actively as seekers of the experience of God in our lives? Actively reaching out in our own unique ways to God, calling out to Him, Lord, grant me the experience of your divine love towards me. Not the theory or the idea or the knowledge of your love, but the experience of your love flowing and covering me all of my days. Maybe it is shame that can become a barricade keeping us from receiving the experience of the love of God? Are we still locked up in different areas of our life in such spiritual paralysis from the sins of our past that we simply live as though God, His love could never break through because I'm not worthy to receive it, you see. That that love can't possibly break through like the holy wrecking ball that it is and let me breathe again. You see, opening things up. What we need to see is we even need the healing touch of Christ to be able to receive the love of God in our lives. But experiencing the love of God is a must for those of us who are being saved to be transformed into the love of God. You see, that is the living water that flows into us, the divine nature of God. And John says God is love. The living water is His love being poured into me day in and day out. How in the world would it be possible, explain to me, how would it be possible if I am not being a recipient of the love of God on a daily basis to be a fountain of that love to all the Lazaruses around us that I come across on a daily basis? It's impossible. It's impossible. We'll continue in the blindness of our pride. We will continue not seeing those who are in dire need of the love and mercy and compassion of the experience of Christ in and through us, right under our noses, in our homes, in this parish, in our workplaces, and God forbid, even in Walmart. Right? I've shared with you testimonies from time to time. There are times I go into Walmart and I'm blind. And I go and I get my list and I get out. But when my heart has been open, when my heart has been open, it in, in, inevitably, the Lord will show me someone through His eyes that's hurting a bit. And there are times where I'll actually go up to them and simply say, how you doing? And you know, sometimes they, they, they look at me very strangely, and that's okay. I am strange. And sometimes they open up and actually talk about what they're struggling with. And I just listen. But it doesn't matter. Even seeing them and responding and offering is an experience of the love of God that they may have just had. And I thank God for it. But if we live with our blinders on, we don't see them. We go about our business. 
We need the love of God poured into us to remove those blinders so that we can become the love that the rich man should have become. And I want to leave you with this. I want you to see the parallel truth in what Jesus taught in the parable of the rich man, excuse me, and Lazarus, and the same truth that he expresses in the parable of the sheep and the goats, which is the very last day of judgment for every soul. And every soul that goes before God, he will separate the sheep and the goats. You remember what the litmus test was of the judgment? He looks at them and he says, you visited me when I was sick. You came to me when I was in prison. You clothed me when I was naked. You fed me when I was hungry, or you did not do those things. You want to sum that up? It's very simple. Did you let me love and heal you so that you became my love to others? When Christ our God looks upon our souls, He's looking to say, did you remain in me to where now I see some of myself in you? You see? We need to live in such a way to allow the love of Christ to so envelop our soul that it transforms us forever and that we begin to see people around us with the same love, mercy, and compassion as our Lord Jesus Christ. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen.